Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, Lottie Dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today, this uh, Monday late afternoon, early evening? I am doing well, James. How about you? Not doing too bad. Uh, pretty decent series after all in Monterey. Um, we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, there were some roster moves uh, made by the team today. Uh, obviously, Javi Guerra was um, was an addition to the team as a 26 player in Mexico and, and needed to be optioned back, so he was optioned back. Uh, and you know, I don't want to say surprising move, but I, I guess it's a surprising move. Uh, Kazuhisa Makita was sent to El Paso. Uh, there's going to be a horde of Japanese media <laughs> leaving Petco on their way to, to El Paso. There's going to be some uh, some room in the press box in the coming home and uh, coming series for sure. Because uh, being there in spring training, there was just so much Japanese media in there. But uh, Makita was sent down, and Matt Strom was activated or reinstated from the 10-day DL, which he started the season on. Uh, Give me your thoughts on Stram. I'm I'm pretty excited to see him in a uh, in a reliever capacity for the team. Uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of kind of a little bit of a bummer. He's not going to be a starter at least in the short term, but um, it's good to see him finally back from injury and uh, hopefully you know he'll have some success here. I mean the Padres have a pretty strong bullpen so far this year, so I think it's definitely an upgrade going from Makita, who's um, had some struggles, to Strom, who's uh, looked pretty good so far in uh, San Antonio. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice to have another left-handed option in there. Obviously, hands closing. Uh, Erlen's kind of a long relief option. Um, it's nice to have a, a guy like Strand to be able to come in and face some of these left-handed uh, bat and be able to hopefully neutralize them. So, uh, interesting move. Uh, another interesting thing that Andy Green uh, discussed today was Brian Mitchell is now a reliever, which I think most Padre fans were we're waiting for. We were kind of sick of seeing Brian Mitchell uh, and his constant uh, walks. Uh, and it was announced late this afternoon that Jordan Lyles will take his spot in the rotation and start on Thursday. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, Patrick. Vomit. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm not very excited about Jordan Lyles back in the rotation. I know he did pretty well in the bullpen so far this year, but. I mean, if he's doing well in a bullpen role, like, well, why switch it up? I mean, I'd rather just have Erland go out there and see we have an Erlander. I mean, you call up Lockett, you can call up Kennedy. I mean, I just don't get it. But Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. I do like what I see in, in Lyles in, in a relief capacity. Um, I know he's improved his off-speed stuff, so maybe they're thinking he's going to be able to transition that around the second and third time the lineup. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, 
Uh, it was interesting that Lockett was scratched today from El Paso. I thought that that would be the corresponding move, but it didn't turn out to be. I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I think Erlen would have been an interesting candidate. I don't know if the Padres are being a little gun-shy since he's coming off his Tommy John surgery and, and don't really want him to exert himself too much, but he, he, I thought Erlen would probably get the honor on Thursday, but they decided to go with Lyle, so uh, it's obviously going to be a revolving door. <clears throat> the spot in the rotation seems pretty safe for Eric Lauer in the time being, uh, I would say, wouldn't you, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, at this point it's pretty clear that both Lucchese and Lauer are in the rotation to stay, at least for the time being. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they both stay in the rotation all year unless um, they have their own struggles. But, um, yeah, to me it looks like both those guys are, are pretty safe at this point. Yeah, that's that's exciting. That's definitely exciting, too, uh, for uh, higher round selections. Uh, Lucchese not so much, but it's nice to see that wave of talent hitting the, the the major leagues and performing. You know, I, we still got Cal Quantrill, Logan Allen performing well in double-A, so there's more on the way. There's more reinforcements on the way, so it's uh, we'll get into the minor leagues a little bit later, but let's start talking about that Monterey series, which started off uh, not so well for the team, Patrick, as they were no hit by the Dodgers with four different pitchers on Friday night. Uh Padres Twitter kind of went off after that. Uh, a couple of our writers wanted to jump into traffic. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's comical to me because it's one game. I understand it's it's sad to see. Nobody wants to see the Dodgers perform well, especially against us. But it's one game, and and, and it turned out that the Padres won the series. So it's just I, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on the Monterey series and, in particular, the uh, response from the no-hit bid on Friday night. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that baseball is one of those sports where um, any single game really doesn't matter. It's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah until playoffs, for sure. Yeah, you get no-hit, and you come back, and you win the series. So, I mean, yeah. I actually didn't watch a, a one pitch of the game on Friday night. I was out, so I got to watch it later. I mean, I watched the highlights uh, obviously, there wasn't a lot of highlights on the Padres side, but yeah, yeah. the lowlights. If you yeah, I watched the highlights. Um, yeah, so I didn't actually get to see the game, which is probably for the best. Um, I was kind of following along on Twitter a little bit. Um, yeah, some people wanted to jump in traffic here and there, but um, yeah, I think they they rebounded on Saturday. Uh, obviously, got the job done again on Sunday, and uh, they won the series. So you can't really, you know, I think you kind of forget about the no hitter a little bit because they they won the series. So at, at the end of the day, I mean, who really cares? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see Eric Lauer go out there and perform Sunday and throw, you know, was it six or seven shutout innings? I mean, that, that's impressive to see that in a in a series-deciding game against a rival team to go out there in, in a different country and, and perform well. So I, I'm excited to see what he, he'll get an opportunity to start this uh, this weekend, I believe, against the Cardinals. Uh, it'll be his first home, home start. It'll be a little more comfortable for him. I'll, I'll be excited to see what he's able to perform uh, moving forward. So uh, all in all, the series was was pretty successful for the Padres. Uh, the Dodgers are, are really beat up right now, and Dodger fans have got to be just pulling out their hair because this was supposed to be the year. I mean, they were uh, outs away. They were one game away from a World Series championship last season. Uh, they're not going to do much this season, I, I would 
suspect unless they get really, really resourceful and empty their farm system and, and bring in a Harper and a Machado and and for that matter, they'd still need pitching. I mean, they they are a ways from from being a competitive team, especially when a younger team like the National or like the uh, Diamondbacks and like the Rockies in the division are, are performing well. So, um, I think it's going to be a long season for the Dodgers, wouldn't you say? I mean, I, I wouldn't write them off just yet, but yeah, I mean, they've already dug yeah, a pretty it, sizable hole, so you, you kind of it's kind of be hard to get out of that. Yeah, it's when Matt Kemp is like the center of your offense. That's you know that's asking a lot. I mean, I know he's performing well and he seems motivated right now, but that can definitely change at any at any moment. As Padre fans know, his his motivation his motivation meter goes up and down rather quickly. Uh, let's move on to some players that aren't performing so hotly right now. Or is hotly even a word? Uh, Manuel Margot is troubling. I I wrote a piece about him starting or needs to start every day uh, last week. I still stand by that. I'm a little troubled that they haven't stuck with him in the top of the order. I know he's been atrocious. But, you know, is 50, 60, 80 at-bats a true example of what he's capable of? And then factor in that he spent 10 days after uh, on the DL after being nailed with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball in his ribs. So I, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on Margot. I know fans – I saw some crazy stuff today about Adam Jones, which really just reinforces my beliefs that ESPN is absolutely lost in, in their coverage of Major League Baseball at this point. Uh, Adam Jones is a, is a possible – a contributor to the. I, I mean, I don't. When when your team is horrible, are you going to add a player who's thirty two and in, in, in a contract year? I mean, I, I don't know, Patrick. I, I saw you get into it a little bit uh, in, on Twitter on the Adam Jones thing. I, I think it was pretty comical. I think most Padre fans responded in that way. I, I realize he's a Morris High School graduate, a local kid. It's nice to think about Adam Jones. I like Adam Jones a lot, but at this point, if you're even just considering bringing Adam Jones and you aren't paying attention to what's going on here in San Diego, yeah, go, ahead, go, go on mean, a rant for me. Give you, me a rant. Yeah, you just kind of summed up my morning a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, yeah, they talked about on the the Ben and Woods show. They talked. I guess Jerry Krasnick was on and. He mentioned the idea of Adam Jones, and their account tweeted it out. So I, I retweeted it like, yeah, Padres need more outfielders. And uh, I got into a little discussion with Woods. Um, I mean, w- Woods is mostly just trolling. But, uh, yeah, there was a couple <coughs> people commenting on that saying that it was actually a good idea, and I don't, I just don't see in what world you sign a 32-year-old yeah. player who's clearly – Yeah, but see, I, I, I know. Like, I mean, he's not are, good. Is, people say Adam it, Jones is good. I mean – But, I mean, is it a good idea to, to start him and, and, and pay – multiple prospects to get him and to have him start the rest of the year for this team to finish 20 games under five. I mean, what is the thought process? Are we going to flip him in July? Pay Wait, prospects? Well, well, what do you, and, uh, what, what do you mean get prospects for him? We're talking about signing him after the year. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Cause he's a free agent at the end of the year. So I wasn't okay, talking about thought, getting him this was, year. Okay. Yeah. No. I didn't even pay attention to it. I, I was assuming it was trading for him now because that's what we need. No, it was, it was just signing him, signing like him after at- this, but it's like, he's 32. He's clearly not, I I don't I think he was kind of an overrated player to begin with the last whatever half dozen years. I mean he was a solid he was a solid regular above Defender, average, yeah. but 
I mean, he's not like, you know, a game-changing player. And you think about his performance last year, his performance this year, he's not a not not he's not performing well. He's not a good player anymore. He's 32. He's on the decline. Um, you don't you don't sign a guy like that and take away at bats from a guy like Margot or a guy like even Jankowski. I mean, there's just really no reason to sign a guy like that, even if it's for a cheap deal. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I had a problem enough with Hosmer because you know he's maybe gonna make more money than he's worth, but I I still could see the logic in it. But I mean, because he's still young, but you don't. There's just no logic in signing a guy who's over the hill, and especially when you have five thousand outfielders already. I mean, if it's a position you don't like have already, sure, but. I, I just don't see any purpose in that. It doesn't make any sense. There's no logical argument for it. The only argument is how he used to be good, and that's not an argument for signing someone. I'm sorry, but if a guy yeah, used to play yeah. well, that doesn't it's, mean you should sign him now. It's irrelevant. It, it, it's pure sentimental garbage, I mean, in all honesty. I mean, he's a San Diegan. He's uh, respects Tony Gwynn very much, has a lot of love for the Padres, a lot of love for Tony Gwynn. I understand that, and I like Adam Jones as a ball player but I think your assessment of them on him is, is pretty correct he's not he's a borderline all-star you know not not necessarily a, a he's not, guy you're going to build mean, around he's not now he's a he's a below average player I mean he's yeah barely, that's what I'm saying he's, he's a border he's, he's, I mean, sub, he's not a borderline all-star though he used to be an all-star yeah, but now he's well, not even anything at his age and with his track record, he could have a bounce back year and be an all star again. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to take that away from him. I will. Just, okay, well, you're you're a little more negative than I am. But I mean, 32 year olds don't magically start playing better than they have the last. Three at years. this point, the only way I would sign him next season is if the team traded away Will Myers, traded away Hunter Renfro, uh, Manuel Margot still was not performing well, and you only had Frenchy Cordero as a solid. I mean. There could be a scenario, but at this point, it's it's pretty idiotic to even talk about. it. I don't it. think there's a scenario though, because why would you sign a washed-up veteran? There's just no purpose in having that on your team. Like your team, well, su- there's enough. Your, there's enough your assessment that- of him is is really low, and I, well, I don't look at his numbers. Go look up his numbers. Well, I know, I know what his numbers are. Yeah, I'm, there's but I, nothing. Re- there's no redeeming qualities here to make me think that he's going to be worth anything. Well, and for the, a team the sentiment. Who, Sentiment wins out to some people. And why though? It, it, I don't. If your team sucks. I mean, why would you bring about a crappy player just because he's from here? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Like I'm not saying this should happen. But I'm. It, there's. There. I'm not. I'm. I'm the type of person where I'm not going to rule out every scenario, and there, there could be. But well, there I'm not going to rule it out. It would, just, it would just be monumentally stupid. Well, I, I don't dis disargue with you in that regard either. But I'm just saying. It would take a lot of check boxes to be checked in order for this to happen, and at this point, I mean, talking we, about can, it can is pretty dumb. We get back to, to Manuel Margot and how he's been yeah, yeah, yeah. We got sidetracked here talking terrible about this. this year. I mean, I know I mentioned what was that like a week or two ago? I mentioned in our chat about how he's nearing, you know, sending back down to AAA territory. I know you disagree with me. Oof, but that's scary. Yeah, look what look what he's done since I said that. I mean, he's actually looked honestly worse since I said that. So. I'm not willing to give up on the guy because he is, what, 23 years old, so it's not like he's a guy you bail on, but at this point, he's shown you pretty much nothing. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been able to adjust. He's made no adjustments. He hasn't improved at all. So at this point, I mean, what do you, I guess, what are you waiting for? What are you looking for? I mean, what, what do you really say about him? I mean, you can't just keep rolling him out there every day if he is showing that he just isn't making adjustments, you know what I mean? He's just not improving at all. He's not walking yeah. even. I mean, at least he could, like, walk, you know. He's not even having really competitive at-bats. I mean, he, he just looks lost out there. And, 
I mean, El Paso is the kind of place where you send a guy to get confidence. I mean, I think it sort of worked with Hunter Renfro last year. They sent him down. I mean, obviously he didn't really make the adjustments they wanted, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a similar case to Margot. I think Margot has more talent. And he's just a matter of, you know, he's in a he's in a funk, and you got got to break him out. I think that sending him down might be a way to get him out of the funk. I mean, they have enough. I think they have enough depth to, to be able to stand without him. I mean, obviously you want Myers or Renfro to come back first before this scenario because I think right now Margot still has, you know, he's still playing every day because of those injuries. Um, but at this point, I mean, even Travis Jankowski's playing well, and I know I was already, I've already written him off, but, yeah. I mean, even he's playing well. So it's just like, why do you continue rolling him out there every day if he isn't making adjustments? He's not improving. I mean, what are you, ex- yeah. what are you expecting, I guess? Is he just going to figure uh, yeah, it out? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm all about giving him an opportunity to play and, and kind of trying to work. I'm old school in that way and trying to work himself out of it. But at this point, I'm starting to lean towards what you're saying because it, it's the fact that he's not putting up quality at bats consistently or even sporadically for that matter it's 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 troubling i i we know we don't know what's going on in the locker room we don't know how receptive he is of of the criticism we don't know how receptive he is of the coaching so there's other factors too that you got to weigh in and wonder about we you wonder about his health of his ribs you wonder about other issues and nagging stuff so um ultimately this team is is about playing the hot hand at this point, and Jankowski's probably going to get uh, some starts. Uh, and, you know, I, I seriously would consider sending him to El Paso at this point because, like you say, the Pacific Coast League is a league where you kind of straighten out your hitting and you gain that confidence and you're able to drive the ball and perform better, and hopefully he's able to transition that back to this year. I mean, obviously you're not going to give up on, on someone who's 23 with the skill set that he has, so... Um, it's it's still troubling to see, but let, let's move on to to Austin Hedges, who's currently on the DL with the elbow issue, which is troubling in itself. I mean, you hear elbow issue, and that infamous name Tommy John automatically starts creeping in your mind. I mean, I, I, we're not to that point yet, but it's still it's troubling to see a catcher with an elbow issue because ultimate. I mean, he makes the most throws in the game. I mean, he is every single pitch he throws back to the pitcher. He's throwing back to bases. I mean, he is using his arm all day, every day. It's troubling to see him with the elbow injury, especially when he's got offensive problems with the swing and swing path, and you got to wonder if that's inhibiting that. So give me your thoughts on, on, on Hedges moving forward. I know it's tough to analyze him at this point since he is on the disabled list. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could say I'm disappointed, but I didn't really expect him to be a good hitter. Um, we're still waiting for him to, you know, figure it out. And to be honest, like I've said before, I don't really care. I mean, if you have a black hole at the bottom of your lineup and he plays good defense and provides that value, that's fine. The problem is that the, the lineup is about half black holes, so you can't yeah. have hedges as a black. I mean, really, you think about it, five, like five through eight is a black hole, basically. Galvis is a black hole. Margot's a black hole. Hedges is a black hole. So you have like three or four or five guys in your lineup who just don't do anything. I mean, you throw a Swahe in there, and I mean, even Perella's been that lately. So you can't have a guy like Hedges be a black hole if you have four other black holes. But I mean, on a competitive team, I think Hedges would be a good piece because you don't need him to go up there, you know, and hit 300. I mean, you don't need him to hit 250, I think. If he's playing good defense, he's, you know, supporting the pitching staff in the way he does, and I think he does have a great effect on the pitching staff. That, that's something tangible you can measure. Um,. If he's doing all that, then yeah, it, it's great. But the problem is, 
currently it just doesn't look good when he's just yet another piece that's not doing anything. So, I mean, I don't really know what to expect from him going forward. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if if he does come off the DL soon. Or I, I mean, we haven't really heard much in that regard, and so it's yeah. kind of just a waiting game. Um, but yeah, I I haven't really been shocked with what I've seen, but at the same time, I mean, you got to wish for uh, a little more improvement, I guess. Yeah, the again the the fact that he from time to time gives away at bats is is troubling to see. I mean, this team leads the major leagues in strikeouts, and, and they do it in an abysmal way. I mean, I've seen fastballs taken right down the middle, breaking pitches taken right down the middle. I mean, not even a flinch from the hitter. Like they're guessing, they're looking in different zones for pitches with two strikes and you're always taught growing up with two strikes you protect and, and there's just not any kind of protection with this team I, I understand there's some two strike hitters that can swing the bat and swing it hard like a Franchi Cordero but they have a production behind that they they hit the ball hard they produce hard they're paid to produce in the middle of the order at some point these bottom of the order type of hitters need to just make contact because you know that in itself is a is a positive thing to your mantra and, and to yourself to next time you go at bat you can actually perform and, and, and think that you perform I mean the game's psychological if you're up there just whiffing after whiff after whiff at, at pitches it's got to be demoralizing I mean it, I, I know Hedges is a defensive specialist but at some point he's got to be like you know damn I want to hit the ball too I want to perform I want to guy who, who gets, you know, the big celebration after getting a, a key hit, so we'll have to wait and see. He's still very young as well. You know, Yadi Molina took a long time to figure it out. I, I'm not comparing Hedges to Yadi Molina by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it took him a little bit to figure it out. He was considered a only defensive catcher early in his career. It, it, you know, we'll just have to, to keep the faith, if you will, and just kind of just roll with it. Um, Let's move on to the second base issue right now. Luis Urias is, is a hot topic. I know a lot of Padre fans want to see the 20-year-old in the major leagues, want to see his plate discipline. I mean, we talk about not giving away at-bats and, and putting the ball in play and, and performing well. Luis Urias will give a quality at-bat, even at a major league level. So talk to me about the second base position and what you're feeling right now. Uh, Aswahi's kind of been phased out. Perella's been in there. He's performing well defensively, which is a little bit of a surprise, but his offense is just in a funk right now. Uh, both of us were Perella or are Perella fans. Um, at this point, it's hard to justify him even starting the way he's performing. I mean, to be fair, I was never a Perella fan. I just didn't see any reason why he shouldn't keep playing until he showed yeah, no, that he wasn't okay. capable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the assessment that I made. As and well. now we've gotten to the point where I don't think he's playable any longer. And obviously, Aswahe is no longer really playable. I mean, just for kind of a, a check-in, uh, the last 14 days, Jose Perella has an 82 WRC plus, so mm. obviously not good. He's still yet to hit a home run. He's hitting ground balls at I think like a 80 percent rate or something ridiculous. Yeah, what is up with? Um, and then you think of Carlos Aswahe, he's at an 11 WRC+. plus. Um, he's pretty much striking out about 30% of the time the last two weeks. I mean, at least Perella's walking, but you look at these two guys, and there's just nothing here that tells me that these guys should be playing. And I'd honestly be very surprised if Luis Arias is not up by June at this point. Yeah, yeah. Andy Green's think... fed up. I think the front office is fed up. This team is embarrassing 
with their offensive display. They have no leadoff hitter. I mean, Travis Jankowski's been nice in that role, but I don't think he's going to maintain a, a 150 WRC plus moving forward. So I think Luis, Luis Sirius has to be the guy in that spot, and I think that's going to happen um, sooner rather than later. I really like Hosmer, number two. I, I kind of tweeted some stuff today that since he's been kind of shifted to the number two role, he's been just raking the last two weeks. I mean, he's he's got a, a WRC plus near 300 the last two weeks. Just insane. He's hitting home runs, hitting doubles. His ISO's over 400. Um, he's just been everything you can hope for in that two spot. And I think once Myers comes back, you have him and Villy, uh, Villa 3-4, um, Cordero 5. I think that's a pretty a pretty solid 1-5. through five. Um, And yeah, even yeah. if you have Galvis at the bottom and Hedges at the bottom when he returns, even if those guys are black holes or you know not as up to par, I mean, that top five I think is still um, something to mess with. So um, I yeah. think things could turn around. It's just a matter of making those personnel moves and, and switching something around. I mean, currently you got to just wait for these guys to get healthy and – and hope for the best, but uh, we're going to have to see how that plays out. But yeah, it's definitely been disappointing to see Perella and uh, Aswahi, and at this point, I- I'm kind of done with both. I think they've had their chance, and, you know, so so far, so far, so bad. So I think it's time yeah. to move on. You know, I-, I really wanted Perella to turn around and perform well because I thought that he would actually have some trade value to someone down the line. Uh, it doesn't appear that it's going to be the case unless he really dramatically improves. Uh, at this point, someone's got to play second base until Urias is recalled. Uh, I think your your judgment of by June is probably correct. I would think another couple weeks of him raking in AAA. He had another couple hits today, I believe. Uh, hit the ball well. Uh, his on-base percentage is over 400. I know this is the PCL, and it's, it's uh, El Paso, and you know numbers are, are inflated, but he's historically proven that he's uh, going to give a quality at bat so i'm excited to see him at the major league level uh you know a guy who's 20 years old uh a mexican native uh you know a lot of connections to to san diego and tijuana it's going to be a great uh experience seeing him uh seeing actually one of these young position players that we've read about and heard about for such a long time uh kind of be able to take the stage and and get the majority of at bats um we'll just have to wait and see uh, let's let's move on to, to you know you, you brought you talked a little bit about Hosmer. Uh, let's move on to, to Franchi Cordero, who's really impressed me in the last couple of weeks in the fact that he's taking walks, he's taking pitches now. He seems to have a little more of a plan when he's going up and hitting a little more of an idea of what he's doing. That kind of growth is exciting to see in a young player especially from a Padre player. That kind of stuff is something that we don't get to – we usually don't see from our young players. Usually they are what they are, and that's it. They don't get better. But I'm seeing a sense that Cordero might actually get better in time. Um, you know, we talk about his exit velocity off the bat. That's something you can't teach. But the fact that he's hunting certain pitches and getting them and performing well against them is is really exciting to, for me at least. Uh, give me your thoughts on Franchi. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking at the leaderboards for the last two weeks. Um, he's had 52 plate appearances. His walk rate is 15%, which actually leads uh, the Padres' save for Eric Hosmer. Um, his strikeout rate's still in the 30s, which is obviously still a bit of a concern. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely showing more patience at the plate. He's still hitting yeah. the ball hard. Um, he's, he's making good contact, as, as we've always said. He's He's been adept at that. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is real. I think his improvements are real. He's 
kind of this is what you kind of want to see for guys like Margot and Hedges. I mean, Cordero's kind of jumping ahead of those guys. I mean, you think of those guys as you know the first wave, but I think Cordero's kind of overshadowing them a bit because he's he is showing improvements and those guys have not been showing improvements so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like i've said before i think he's really a superstar in the making if he can cut that strike yeah. rate to the low 30s or in, in the 20s and he can maintain a solid walk rate and, and have a better plate discipline i mean he's swinging at a lot less pitches outside the zone his o swing percentage has been cut by about 10 percentage points he's making more contact he's swinging at less pitches overall um he's showing a more patient eye um yeah across the board i mean he's swinging through less pitches Across the board, he's showing good plate discipline improvement, and if he can keep that up, um, I mean, really, like I said before, the sky is the limit for this guy, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I guess I should say, the last seven days, I know small sample and all, but he's got a 30% walk rate and a 25% strikeout rate. So obviously yeah. a small sample size, but he's walking more than he's striking out the last yeah, he, week or so. That's that's definitely worth watching. Yes, yes. I mean, the kid's 20, 23. He's going to strike out. We already know he's going to strike out. That's, you know... In this day and age, superstar strikeout. Bryce Harper strikes out a buttload. Mike, Mike Trout strikes strikes out a lot. It's about taking pitches. It's about recognizing pitches because both those guys also walk a lot. They're also they hunt certain pitches and they know not to to, to chase after pitcher pitches. And the growth from him is ridiculous. I mean, he's hitting the ball six miles per hour faster than any than the league average at this point. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's pretty damn respectable uh, defensively I, I question whether or not he's going to be a center fielder moving forward he has the ability right now because he's young and he's fast but uh, he's going to be he's going to perform his, his offensive numbers are going to perform well enough to play corner outfield uh Franchi Cordero is going to play every day he should play every day uh all on board the Franchi Cordero train right yeah man the yeah the French foreign legion joined the club <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah, can we uh, actually can we can we segue a little bit? I want I want to talk about Freddie Galvis, the guy we sort of missed. Okay. Um, I think it was was it was it Derek Togerson who tweeted out probably mid April. I, I don't mean to throw him on the bus, but he tweeted out mid April about the possibility of extending Freddie Galvis. Oh and yeah. Since yeah. that tweet, uh, Galvis has been pretty much useless at the plate. I mean, he's been atrocious mm-hmm. even. And there's been kind of rumblings of him being supposedly injured and he's supposedly still yeah, playing every day because he doesn't want to sit and Andy Green apparently doesn't, you know, how to I guess he he's not capable of sitting players. He's it's not his decision apparently. Um yeah. they they went through the trouble of calling up Javi Guerra and he didn't even play. I mean, sure he had a couple at bats, but the fact that he didn't start for Galvis one of those days is just kind of appalling to me. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's nonsensical, especially when you see how poor Galvis has been. Apparently, he's injured, or so they he say. He needs a day off. I don't care I, if yeah, he's not injured. He needs a day we're, off. We're, I think we're done playing this game where, oh, I want this player to play every game. It's like, who cares? If you miss one game every month, it's not the end of the world. I mean, well, he's starting no every reason. game of this national series, that's for sure. Especially when, you have, especially when you have a player who's not doing well. It's like there's no reason to run yeah, out Yeah, I mean, you rest players when they're not performing well because they just look tired. He looks tired right now. He's still able to make the plays defensively here and there, but with his bat, the way his mannerisms are, he looks tired. He needs a day off. It's just, it's, he's, a, he's played every freaking inning of every game. I mean... And can I just uh, can I just complain? Can I just complain that Eniel de los Santos, who was traded for Freddie Galvis, has a mm. one a ERA just above one in twenty five innings, and he's striking out batters in thirty percent of yeah. at bats. Yeah, so yeah, I saw, I seen. His I'm numbers. upset. I was already upset uh, when it happened. He's striking out over a batter per inning. So if he becomes something, you're never going to hear the end of it for me because I like to complain. So 
Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's uh, this trade went from horrible. Oh my god, the sky is falling to oh wow, the Padres actually won that. Galvis looks like a great player. Oh blah blah. To, oh my god, the sky sky is falling again. So, um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Galvis is in the last year's free agent contract. Uh, Mike Ursay of our of our site wrote a piece about the Dodgers potentially having some interest in him down the road that could come to fruition. I wouldn't imagine the Dodgers giving us much value, uh, let alone anything more valuable than Enyo De Los Santos. But we'll have to wait and see. I, I trust in Preller's ability. I mean, this guy, get, we got Matt Strom and Estuary Ruiz for Buckter, for a bag of balls <laughs> and Cahill last year, which was amazing at the time. I, I don't understand how the Royals did it at that the was time. And then now it looks like an absolute just mauling. I mean, the the Royals GM should be in a corner crying, sucking his thumb at this point. I mean, that's a team <laughs> that needs talent, and they gave it away for nothing. So, for I mean, what were they? Were they in a competitive run last year? For yeah, I mean, they were sort of in the wild card picture. And they probably shouldn't have been, if you, if you know yeah. what I mean. Um, I mean, Strom was their number one prospect for like two years in a row. Yeah, dude's dude's legit. Uh, I mean, even if he's just a bullpen yeah, piece, I mean, I don't want to say Andrew. I don't like throwing Andrew Miller comps around, but this guy could be a, a dangerous piece in the bullpen. So, no, yeah, he's he's um, not a one pitch pitcher. He's legit. He's, yeah, curveball's it, it, legit. So we're we're gonna yeah, see it. Hopefully, hopefully tonight we'll see it. But um, we're definitely gonna see it. I mean, tonight's yeah. gonna be ugly. Maybe we should just podcast the whole night because I mean, Lord knows we don't need to watch the Padres get destroyed by Strasburg. Yeah, it's well, <laughs> At least they're not to face Scherzer. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Thank <laughs> he God struck out, what, know. 15 the other day? So, yeah. Imagine that's the Padres. He would have oh, broke, the, broke the 20 strikeout uh, record. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that this team cannot hit a, a fastball pitcher that throws in the mid to high 90s. I mean, John Gray consistently dominates them. And, and you're, that's all you're getting is high fastballs, high fastballs. And they cannot lay off it. They cannot touch it. They continually miss it. Yeah. Uh, is Matt Stairs going to get fired? I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a guy to put much blame or or kudos to a hitting coach, but this team just looks like crap. And it's like how much how much of that is I guess on him. But I mean, it just doesn't seem like they've made any improvement. And he, I know he's he's been stressing. I mean, he stressed all spring training about on base percentage and make good at bats. And yeah, the, I think the team's on base percentage is I, here. Let me let me look up the leagues. You can talk a bit. I'm gonna look up the leagues. Yeah, stats. I mean, they're they're just striking out at, at, a, at an abysmal rate. I mean, even Hosmer's K rate is up over. I mean, all his offensive numbers are, are fantastic, and he's performing well. But even his K rate is up. I mean, it's contagious. I don't know what it is about this team. I, I, I think it's the fact that they're constantly in a hole. Everyone's trying to prove something. And with two strikes, they don't shorten up. They they are taking huge hacks or just taking fastballs or breaking pitches right down the middle, which is just it's disheartening for a fan to see that. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 sad. What do you got for me as far as stats wise? Oh, my computer's and, being slow, so I'm still pulling okay, it up. And, and, but, but I mean, it, I don't know. Do you see a, any? Do you see? I mean, obviously, when you add a Luis Urias, that's going to improve. Uh, Fernando Reyes, who we haven't talked about in, in the minor leagues, he he strikes out a lot, but he does walk some as well. Is this K rate ever going to get better from this team? Because you have players like Cordero, Villanueva, uh, Hedges, Myers. I mean, they strike out a lot. Is is this K rate ever going to improve? Is this so, batting average ever going to improve for this team? So the Padres have a 300 on base percentage, which is uh, the third worst in baseball. Wow. 
Who's um, worse? Their strikeout rate. Who's worse? I think it's the uh, Marlins and the Orioles. Nice. Not a big surprise there. Um, they have a 27% strikeout rate as a team, which is number one, a full percentage point above the Phillies. Um, their walk rate is 8%, which is somewhat middling. Um, not too bad. Uh, but yeah, overall, pretty pretty damn bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the Orioles have been the only team that's like sniffed being as bad as, or I guess that's the only team that you can really say is probably worse than the Padres overall because the Orioles don't, they don't, they strike out too much. They don't walk. They don't have good at bats. Their WRC plus as a team is in like the eighties. Uh, I mean, that team yeah. is just atrocious. And that's well, that's when, with Manny yeah. Machado. <laughs> yeah, but then you surround them with Trumbo and Alvarez and and yeah, Chris Davis a lot of us, and, and Adam Jones. Are, are, are and even out, yeah, even Adam Jones. Yeah, it's. Ugh. That team's got to get blown up relatively soon. I would imagine. I mean, they got a, so. they got issues. I want to see some some moves. I think that they probably trade Jones. They probably trade uh, Machado. They might trade uh, Britton once he comes back healthy. Brock. Yeah, yeah, Brock is yeah. a free agent. I think. I think O'Day might be a free agent. They have a lot of free agents. So that team's going to be probably in the tank in the uh, in the pooper the next few years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're going to have to sell off, and, and he, they should get a pretty penny for Machado. I mean, they should oh, get yeah. a decent. He's going to be a he's going to be a hot commodity. There's there's definitely some teams I think should be interested. That that's a big that's kind of a, a big push. All in for this year if you can get a guy like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, some recent criticism of Andy Green, which has come up. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm a little frustrated with the inconsistencies with the lineup. I think that's my main issue with him. I understand, you know, but then again, my criticism comes from the outside. I, I don't have privileged information like he has. I don't talk to these players every day. I don't get the opportunity to see what's going on in the clubhouse, and neither does anyone else. So, at this point, criticism is kind of silly because this team wasn't going to win a, a World Series title. They weren't even going to win a National League Western Division Championship. They weren't even going to win a wild card. This team's goal and uh, they they weren't even going to win a goal was they weren't going to win a fourth place trophy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> criticizing the way the team's performing because they're inconsistent and young is is asinine. Let's critique Andy Green when he has a full lineup, a uh, respectable starting staff, and, and then criticism is is fair. At this point, he's got a patchwork full of injured players and trying to get. Uh, at bats for for players like Renfro and Perella and Swai, as they're trying to determine their value and assess their long term value, there's a lot of factors going on here. It's not all about winning ball games in in white and black like people think. But you know, he's not going out there trying to lose games. But there's a, a, a method to this madness. There's a, there's it's it's just it's it just seems stupid for people to criticize him at this point. Because, this, like I said, this team wasn't going anywhere. Give me your thoughts on the Andy Green criticism. Every day we see it, every move we see it. It's Monday mo- Monday morning quarterback at, at its finest. I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts on, on all the criticism of, of our manager? Um, I actually, to I think to an extent, I, I feel like criticism is warranted. But at the same time, I'm not going to say like I'm part of the fire Andy Green crowd. I mean, I think it's... 
I think it's stupid to fire a young manager when your team is obviously terrible. I mean, how do you really assess a manager when your team is crap? I mean, sure, you can assess, you know, in-game decisions, but I mean, just like the players are still developing, I think he is as well. And I think I think it, it, there's something to a manager, a young manager developing with his team. And I think that will go a long way in the future with this team's ready to compete. I think that he's gone through that with them. He's gone through the grind. He's learned alongside them. I think that, that means a lot. Um, I know I know guys want to have like you know an experienced manager and just you know have him ready to go, but I think I think it means a lot that he's kind of growing and developing with the young guys and kind of alongside him. Um, but on the flip side of that, yeah, I think he deserves criticism. I mean, he's made a lot of. I mean, I think more and more recently, I think I've been more and more irritated because he makes boneheaded decisions. I mean, there's lineup decisions I don't get. I mean, certain guys. I just don't get the... He plays favorites, I feel like. Certain guys like get kicked out of the lineup for not performing, but other guys get a pass. I mean, you look at... Luis Perdomo got thrown to the, the curb while Mitchell got you know three more starts after the fact. And then you look at um, Jose Perella and Carlos Asuaje, who, I mean, he's, he's obviously obsessed with those two for whatever reason. I mean, they just continue to play when they're not good. They haven't been performing well. And yeah, but I, I mean, I, someone's got to play second, right? Call up Corey Spangenberg then. I mean, he's got a say in that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're so intent on running out those guys, I mean, and if for some reason they don't want to call up Urias for whatever reason they think he's not ready, I'm not going to speculate because I'm not in the front office. I don't I don't watch you know what goes on there. But I mean, call up Spangenberg. I mean, it's just it's just asinine to have those two guys playing every day when it's clear that they're not good. And Andy Green is somehow obsessed with playing Perel at second, even though I just. He's not a good defender at second. He's not hitting, so it's just, I just don't really understand the point. And I, I, I'm at a loss that he continues to make these same decisions and play the same guys over and over and over again. And it's like you know what you have, and I know there's not a lot of great options there, but I mean, yeah. there's got to be something better than I, I, that. You know, I don't know. I, I definitely understand your criticism. I understand what you're angry about, but I feel like he's given his hand so to speak like a poker hand and, and he has to play what he's given he was given Brian Mitchell he was given Chase Headley they have to stay on the roster they yeah, you don't have to you don't have to I, run them out there I mean he, no he, I, I, I know but when a 25 man roster bench right away because he knew but, but having him on the bench limits the team and limits the flexibility of the team I mean there's a lot of factors in it I, I definitely understand your criticism but at the same time you don't know if, if the front office is tailing uh, play Jose Perella. We have a, a team that's interested in him. They want they want to see at bats with him. You know, I'm just speculating here, but we don't know what's going on. We don't know if the front office is telling him we need a Jose Perella in the in the lineup every day. We're trying to move him. That would make me yeah. more pissed off. That's even worse. <laughs> well, but it, the team isn't going to win now. It's about collecting prospects. It's about collecting future pieces. Yeah, if we can trade Jose Perella for two, Jose Perella isn't worth anything though. I mean, you, well, keep now, running, but, you keep but, running him out I mean, there. I mean, his value is declining by the day. It so, is now, but you have to you have to see that in order. You have to see it in order for it to happen. I, I get that, not, but I'm saying you, you already, predict- you already you've been seeing it for weeks, and like, well, eventually I, it, you got to get to the point where you're like, all right, we're good. Okay, but exactly. But then you have a Swahe, Spangenberg, and Perella. None of the three are necessarily great options. Urias is the golden child waiting there. I, I'm I, I'm with you. I agree that what's what's let's go. He's ready. He's already passed the, the MLB service time for this year. You're not going to get another year of time out unless you're going to bring him up in June of next or May of next year. So let let's go. He seems like he's ready. Put the kid in every day and and let's rock and roll. But I don't know what what what's going on with with the front office. We don't know if if we don't know. I, I mean, it's just it's 
it's tough to speculate on stuff that you don't necessarily know everything about. I understand it's it's the fans' prerogative. They're able they they're able to do it. They they should do it. And criticism is healthy for the organization. Criticism is healthy for Andy Green and the players, and it's part of it. But I just tend to kind of stay back on it and kind of let and watch as things unfold. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I, I definitely agree with what you said as far as Andy Green is learning on the job. And in spring training, I, I asked him about that, and he was pretty receptive of of the fact that he is learning on the job, that he's still kind of learning to try to not do everything himself and rely on his coaching staff and rely on, on everyone around him. And it's part of the game. More often than not, rookie managers don't do well, or first tenure managers with teams don't do well. He's trying to avoid that. You know, the Bruce Bochies with the Padres uh, in first year managing don't come along every day. It, 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 you learn from defeat. You learn from failure. And um, we'll just have to wait and see. Again, let's assess him a little better when the team is built the way it should be, when all 25 players are healthy. But again, I do understand some criticism. Hand out there the other day, blowing Eric Lauer's potential first major league win was was frustrating. But I I, I don't know. I I I tend to to to, to play the the safe card, if you will. Um, but there, he, there's definitely room to to criticize uh, the way this team is being managed. There's no sugarcoating that. Yeah, everybody sucks. They're the worst. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, so you want to talk about your boy? Yeah, let's you know, let's do it. Fran Mil Reyes. You're, I'm going to let you handle this one. This is your boy. Fran Mil Reyes is just... He is forcing the team's hand at this point. I, I, you gotta, you got to think that the front office is clamoring, trying to figure out what they're going to do in the future. Um, the numbers that he's putting up are, are just ridiculous. I mean, he, he's slugging... Uh, what is he slugging over 750 1.1 OPS 14 homers leading or tied what is it, 13, 13 or 14 I can't even keep track he's hitting he every thir- day I think he's got 13 after yesterday 13 yeah yeah. So he had a bad day one today I don't know no he had a bad day he only went 2 for 4 today so and, oh, and no homers yeah, he, so. he sucks I think we should disappointing disappointing day for him um, the man is is a beast he really is I, I've got the opportunity to meet him up close and, and meet meet his family and kind of learn a little bit about him. Uh, he's got a younger brother in the White Sox organization. A lot of people don't know that. It's uh, performing pretty well. Um, the, the kids is is highly, highly motivated. I enjoy looking into these prospects' eyes and seeing which one of them is has that, just has that it factor. And when I talk to him, I, I sense it. He wants to get better. He is so motivated, so, so self-motivated. It's incredible. And I think um, that the other thing about him, I think, is that he's only 23. So, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, 27 and destroying AAA pitching. I mean, he's still young for the level. I mean, he's the age of Franchi Cordero. So if, if yeah. Franchi Cordero is still figuring it out, so to don't, speak. Don't age him now. He's 22. you got to remember that. Oh, he's that. 22? I thought he was 23. No, he'll be 23 in July. Oh, that's right. I, um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the I'm, kid I'm is, all for the Franny Franchi outfield. Yeah, exactly. You know, he he does strike out a lot. I don't want to say a lot because it's not it's not anything like he's not going to put up two hundred Ks in a, in a season. But he does strike out. But the man walks. He's got a, a decent career on base percentage. He typically will take a walk 
looking at his numbers this season, in 112 at-bats, he struck out 27 times, but he's walked 14 times. Uh, you know, I'll take that. If, if, if his on-base percentage is 419 right now, the ball he hits the ball the other way, which I love. You don't see big right-handed hitters enjoying just stroking the ball to right center field. The man has legitimate power to all fields, but he hits 430, 440-foot shots to right field, which is just incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and it goes beyond the stats that he puts up. Like, like I say, knowing him personally and knowing the type of person is makes me excited because I know that he has what it takes to get the job done. When whatever it takes, he's going to take the criticism. You know, he was upset when the team left him off the forty-man roster and exposed him to the Rule Five draft. I was really concerned. I had written some stuff about potentially losing him. Luckily, his hammer bone surgery this offseason kind of scared scared people away. But I, the kid's got the kid's got the it factor. He's gonna he's gonna hit well in, in El Paso this year. Uh, sadly, I don't see him getting any playing time unless the Padres get really creative and send Margot down and and you know drop someone off their forty man roster. Maybe uh, get rid of Caesar. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. If he keeps putting up a week like he had this past week, you probably will see him eventually at Petco this season because numbers like that just can't be ignored, right? I mean, I mean he hit, yeah, he hit. Two home runs on Wednesday, two home runs Thursday, two home runs Friday, one home run Saturday, and one home run Sunday. He had home yeah. runs in five straight games, eight home runs in five games. Yeah. Obscene. Yeah. It, it's amazing. And, and I think 11, I want to say 10 or 11 out of his 13 home runs are all, are opposite field. Yeah. And his OPS is, this week was like 15, 1,500, I think. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, as... Trey Turner just goes deep for the men, Nationals, and the Nationals are up one nothing. Ah, uh, <sighs> Will Myers trade, worst trade ever, right? Is the Will Myers Trey Turner thing gonna go down in history? It's got to go down as, as worse than the Mitchell Headley thing that we just keep hearing every I'm day. Still I mean, pissed off. I love. Uh, I always loved Trey Turner, and people gave me a hard time right away when it first happened because I was, you know, I was, I was like, I like Trey Turner, yeah. but you know, whatever. What, why do former Padres just kill us? What what is it? What what is it about this? I don't, I don't what, like that argument. I feel taste? like that happens to most teams. Does we it, just pay though? attention when it happens to us because it's our team. Is it because we like have so many? A, that's not an exclusive so thing. I don't, I just feel like they 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 leave this organization with a bad taste in their mouth and they have a vendetta. I mean, baseball is a highly motivated type of sport. If if a player is highly motivated and, and extra well, Trey Turner was. I remember when the, when the trade first happened, I was I was saying how like I was you know I was happy to have Myers, and I, Trey Turner like liked one of my tweets because I was saying like how I was you know I was happy with Myers like he was kind of I think in a way motivated by you know wow. the Padres giving up on him so to speak I know, I know you don't really think see? of it that way but yeah, yeah. I mean I guess I, I could see that scenario but I think most of it's not you know this player playing well against the Padres I think it's just I think it's a more universal thing where guys guys yeah. always want to succeed against their old team you know show them up be like. You know, this is what you could have had if you didn't give up on me. You know, I think that's a, a pretty yeah. common theme. I don't think it's just the Padres, but no, it'd be interesting. Someone, someone uh, needs to, to do some analyzation on that. Some what former former players do lifetime against their teams. That would be interesting to to have uh, those numbers on each team and, and wonder if the Padres are indeed getting beat more often than not. I mean, Nick Hunley turns into an MVP every time we see. I mean, whether it was with the Giants or Rockies or whoever whoever he played with. 
he was an MVP uh, against us, and Kemp beat us up this past series and has beat us up this year. It's just, uh, it's just frustrating. I mean, that's the life of a Padre fan, though, right? Yeah, I mean, just it is what it is, right? That's your catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly. Um, all right, I think we're pretty much done. We're, we've we've run a little over. We really we didn't get much into the minor league stuff today. I, I think we're, we should pat ourselves on the back for that. We we covered mostly major league stuff this uh, this this podcast. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a lot to talk about the minors, but I think we, we talk about it daily with our farm pieces, you know? We, we kind of keep yeah, them on posted. Yeah. So I think we're, we're doing a good job at, at mentioning it as much as we can. I mean, we don't want to... Oh. I think people get too, um, what's the word, enamored with the farm system to the point where every person's going to be a superstar, which I think we try to caution that a little bit. You know, don't get don't get too excited. These guys are still prospects. They still have work to do. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's fun to kind of keep an eye on them and, and kind of hope for you know, a brighter future, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I do want to give a shout-out to Nick uh, Markovicius, who's just been pitching outstanding in Fort Wayne. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with what I've seen from him. And if Lake Elsinore didn't have six top 30 prospects, top, six top 30 starting prospect pitching prospects, uh, you'd probably see Markovicius in Lake Elsinore. So I think he's just unfortunately going to have to wait a couple more weeks until they're able to shuttle these guys up I, w- I would expect Allen and Quantrill to be promoted soon as well too we'll have to wait and see right and, and a shout out to uh, shout out to Chris Paddock 16 strikeouts in his first 10 yes. games no earned oh, runs yes. dude's a monster I mean he's, he's going to be in double A so we need if you want to see him in Lake Elsinore yeah, you need to get up there in the next couple starts because sure. it, he's he's going to be in double A very soon uh, I would I would imagine Baez and even Morahone Lawson's pitching well. Avila's been pitching. D- it's it's the Lake Elsinore staff is amazing. He, he, anytime you go out there to watch a game, you're going to see a quality starter on the mound. So, yeah, I remember last year um, at the end of the year, it was kind of like Lake Elsinore was you know there wasn't a lot to look at because a lot of the guys you know Allen and Quantrill and all them moved on. Nick's moved on, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was pretty rough. Some of those you know some of those guys because Avila wasn't there, Bias wasn't there, Morhone. So now yeah. it's like it's amazing to see the difference because that that rotation is. is stacked. I mean. The only problem the is most, most is, of those most of those guys probably won't make it through the year if they keep pitching well. So yeah, yeah, goes. yeah. They're they're having bullpen issues in in Lake Elsinore and, and some inconsistencies too. I've seen some numbers on the uh, California League where Lake Elsinore is one of the top teams in hitting, but one of the lowest teams in, in runners in scoring position and and grounding into double plays. They like lead the league. I mean, there's been some crazy stuff going on there. They're they're getting hits, but they're striking out a lot. There's there's been some offensive issues. A lot of the, the the wins aren't there for for Lake Elsinore at this point, but we'll hope to, to that'll transition eventually. Um, I would imagine some Fort Wayne talent will will make their way up there. Uh, offensive talent will make their way up to to Lake Elsinore eventually too. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, anything else before we're out of here, Patrick? Uh, I know you originally wanted to do a stat segment. We crunched the numbers a little bit here and there. I mean, uh, just just read my tweets about Franchi today. I think everyone already saw them. That that's the stat segment. Franchi's a monster. Okay. Yeah, Franchi <laughs> is a monster. <laughs> He is, he is. Um, all right, I think we're good to go. Patrick, you want to take us out? Yeah, uh, you can find us on Podbeans, where we're hosted. Um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Um, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, whatever uh, podcast directory you use on your phone. Um, shout out to Leisure Fryer. 
Um, I know he likes he likes getting shout outs on podcasts, so um, <laughs> just just shout out for no reason. Yeah, um, for, yeah. Just you say his fuck, name next time. Don't even say shout out. Just say his name. Just, just leisure fry at the end of every yeah. episode. Just, yeah. just whisper leisure fry. Well, no, just in the middle um, of the conversation, we'll talk. We'll start talking about Jordan Lyles for Brian Mitchell, and we'll speak leisure fry. <laughs> Uh, also, shout out to a miserable SD fan. Um, I, I know he had a rough morning. He had to agree with me on Twitter. That's always it's always a tough way to start your day, ooh, having ooh. to agree with me on something. Um, definitely rough, rough. Um, you can find us on Twitter at EBT Podcast. Uh, James has you know forty seven accounts. Um, he's adding a new yeah. account each day now. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it right now. His new May goal was to add a new account for each day of the month. So uh, May look goal out for is that. that a thing? Stay tuned. Um, uh, I'm at uh, I'm uh, Patrick Burn ninety three. I can't talk. Um, and uh, we're the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we'll be back hopefully later in the week with a with a guest, and uh, got a few other guests lined up for next week as well. So uh, stay tuned for some uh, good stuff. Thank you, folks. Thank you so much, folks, for listening. East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.